Hello and welcome to another episode of the More From Law podcast. I'm your host, Harry Clark. This episode features Adam North, a recruitment consultant and legal headhunter for Kasoon Car. In this episode, Adam and I discuss how COVID-19 is impacting the legal profession, including its recruitment market as well as the broader economy, drawing comparisons to Brexit and the 2008 financial crisis throughout our discussion. Let's get into it. So hi, Adam. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me on, Harry. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here um, and definitely talking about something which is, I think, dominating the news nonstop in the same way that Brexit did for the best part of two years. We've now found our equivalent with um, coronavirus and I'm sure people are kind of sick and tired about hearing about it, but I'm hoping that today we're going to be able to um, explore something which I think is really interesting, which is how this is going to impact the legal industry um, and trying to think about this from a sort of business perspective and, and kind of making a comparison to um, you know other situations which have happened, such as 2008. But before we get sort of too much into all that side of things, um, a nice kind of icebreaker I like to ask when people come on the show is, um, you know, why did you originally want to work within or alongside the, the kind of legal industry? And what's your sort of background to date for people who haven't had the chance to meet you? Yeah, sure. Um, I initially, I'm not too sure why I ever decided to uh, to study law. In all honesty, I think I was looking for a degree that would challenge me. Um, I was lucky to have uh, a really, really good mentor during my time at sixth form who actually floated the idea of, um, of studying law. And I then went to the same place as you, both graduated from the University of York. I was mm-hmm. a couple of years ahead of you. Um, and really enjoyed it wasn't sure whether or not private practice or qualifying and practicing was something that I was interested in long term mm-hmm. um ended up doing kind of the the classic go traveling after university <laughs> and then wanted to came back decided on wanting to move to london and wanted to use something where my law degree would be relevant but um and also something that that's really kind of relationship driven and relationship focused and it was simply through um a family friend who worked within uh, the recruitment space said, I think you should give it a go and you should try it. And initially that's that's kind of what I did. And here I am more than 18 months later, um, still very much in it and still very much enjoying it. And it's just an opportunity to really use that that legal knowledge without kind of practicing as a solicitor. I, I have to understand what a solicitor does and, and what their day-to-day entails to really understand the requirements they have and then the requirements my clients have when hiring new solicitors. And it, it kind of marries the two the relationship-focused role um, that's really results-focused whilst bringing in that legal education as well. Absolutely. And I guess you can sort of hopefully leverage your understanding of what solicitors do and obviously your experiences working within the kind of recruitment side of the legal market to to sort of feed into what we're talking about today, really. So I guess as a kind of opening question, really, um, I think we're all overly familiar with how coronavirus has obviously had a huge impact on, um, you know, the kind of health side of things and some kind of broader thoughts on the economy, but um, sort of focusing today on the kind of legal space. Um where do you think we sort of stand in terms of how coronavirus has has impacted um, law firms from a business perspective and the sort of current current market um, conditions that we're sort of finding ourselves in? Yeah, I think the first thing that's kind of important to note is that law firms and the legal sector is in a way quite lucky being that it is somewhat recession proof. Mm-hmm. Um, the legal sector can survive through different market events and, and different kinds of markets. It doesn't have to be a booming economy for the legal sector to be booming. Mm-hmm. It just means that different areas within practice are are busy at different times. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of essentially what uh, the approach of the legal sector has been and, and the effects on the legal sector throughout the, the COVID-19 crisis. Um, initially, 
as with any kind of period of economic downturn, corporate activity took took a big a big hit, and it still is taking a big hit. Um, <laughs> transactional work is down across the board. Um, I think you'd find a, a lawyer find it hard to identify a lawyer who who says that isn't the case. That's mm-hmm. not to say there aren't still deals going on, um, but certain practices practice areas can be busier and have got busier. Some have quieting down. So in light of corporate grinding down, grinding down partially due to um, responses the government have made and responses of the market, restructuring is very busy, which we'll kind of dig into a little bit later, I think, in terms of changes within restructuring and insolvency and the mm. types of restructuring that is going on. And then employment um, also due to, uh, to uh, government schemes has got really busy. Everyone's trying to understand the furlough scheme, which I think everyone's got their head around now. But it definitely was a bit of a panic at the beginning for employment lawyers, figuring out what it meant when it was just kind of flung on them at first instance. And then outside of kind of commercial law, which I think everybody likes to focus on, mm. different areas such as private client, private wealth, um, trusts, wills, date planning has remained very busy and maybe been busier in a view that people are conscious of when there is a global pandemic going on, people are conscious that um, they need to get their estates in order. Um, so private client has remained busy and in different areas of law that are more focused around the individual um, yeah. remain busy. Yeah, absolutely. I think you've, you've, you've highlighted something really important there and sort of break down your answer in the fact that um, this is by no means a kind of equal effect across the board in terms of how um, this current situation already has and already is going to um, impact the way that legal services are being di- sort of divided. And I think that, you know, one of the kind of key and really obvious ways to think about that is is the idea that, you know, this isn't going to affect all firms equally. And certainly firms which have more of a specialist in those kind of, should we say, more recession-proof areas, like you mentioned, are certainly going to be, um, you know, more kind of well sustained to, to combat this but um just thinking more generally on the size of the idea of sort of law firm sizes so um like you said there's obviously that huge focus on commercial law and these kind of big multinational and international um firms with huge capabilities but um just thinking about slightly smaller firms those medium to small size firms um what do you think the kind of key risks are there and how are they how are they different from those larger firms with with more revenue and more profit behind them I, I personally take quite a quite a, a different view on this, I think, that I think mm-hmm. it's quite interesting that um, you have obviously your massive international firms and everyone thinks they're incredibly well hedged to, to mm-hmm. deal with economic downturn because they've got big restructuring teams, they've got big employment teams, they, they cover full, full service. But mm-hmm. um, it's interesting to take a view that some law firms have taken the view that having massive multinational networks can actually be a bit of a burden, especially with an ongoing global pandemic such as this. I think it's mm. it's quite unique uh, in that it is affecting everyone worldwide, that it's not as if one office can't pull its weight and therefore everyone else can, all the other offices can kind of pick up that slack and, and keep it through. Mm. It's, it's happening across the board, which is quite interesting in that some offices that are full service law firms doing cross-border international work, but just have a London office or a very Europe centric, for example, feel that they are in fact potentially better hedged to deal with Mm. this this situation in that they can cover themselves um, and they know it's it's more of kind of a collective as opposed to having to coordinate different responses across different offices with the way we've seen kind of the pandemic um, 
have have an effect in different areas in different time zones obviously started out in in china in kind of east asia and then has slowly made its way west and mm. now you're seeing areas like hong kong beginning to start open up and i think some firms may have issues dealing with that whereas and then mm. if you go to the other end of the spectrum as we said kind of about smaller and um, more medium-sized firms uh, they are are set to struggle they're they're not as well hedged in terms of being full service unless they are focused on let's say if it, if it's an employment boutique an employment boutique is likely to be very very busy at the moment mm-hmm. but if it's say a corporate boutique not that many of them really exist it's going to be a tough time and i mm-hmm. think there's less kind of wealth reserves that law firm that smaller and medium-sized law firms can lean on in times of times like this and they are set to struggle um mm-hmm. but there are government programs or government policies that that have that do apply to law firms as well it doesn't affect just normal small and medium-sized businesses law firms mm-hmm. are able to kind of pick up on those um programs as well And I guess because there's such a difference in how, you know, each firm is going to be prepared for this, how it's going to impact them based on their practice areas, their resources, their hedging, as you say, um, you know, just kind of following the news in recent months and weeks, um, there's been a huge kind of variety of responses to this from a market perspective. You know, there are firms who have, you know, essentially trying to practice as much as possible as normal, you know, apart from the obviously having to work from home and kind of making adjustments there, right through to other quite drastic measures such as furloughing or even sort of pay cuts in this case. Um, what is it that you think you think is sort of driving the, the, these sort of huge differences behind all these different market measures? Is it the fact that they're all sort of different firms or is there something else um, when sort of two similar firms are taking different approaches? I think to an extent, it's a little bit of trial by error mm-hmm. um, in that it is completely unprecedented times. Even the 2008 global, global financial crash, which is kind of what everyone compares to mm-hmm. um, with coronavirus, it's a completely different situation from that. At least then people could go into the office. As you say, kind of the, the mass move to remote working has by all accounts actually gone very seamlessly, which mm-hmm. I think is, is quite interesting for law firms, given that law firms are, and the legal sector is often seen as a little bit antiquated um, and mm-hmm. stuck in the past in terms of working from home hasn't been a big thing at many law firms for a very long time at all. And you've got to get it signed off and suddenly the entire workforce is is working from home and tech is holding up and and it's working quite well which is a positive thing to see i think the others is as you say as i said before is kind of law firms have taken that time to the initial kind of four to, four to five weeks was a take a step back and let's see what's happening there wasn't mm-hmm. really any mass um move by any law firms to take any certain measure um i think across the board we've kind of had um salary reviews put on hold uh partner promotions at some firms held off other associate level promotions held off which is quite across the board in terms of and then you've had some quite interesting ones in terms of firms like norton rose for example everyone saw that they uh reinstigated the flexible working whereby people take an 80 percent of their salary but they're Mm -hmm. working four days a week um and the important thing is that some practice areas can't do that because they are working more than that i think um restructuring lawyers are probably unless they survive 2000 or were working in 2008 are probably busier than they've ever been and the idea of working a four-day week is simply untenable that mm. it is that kind of flexibility i think law firms are, have been prepared to to try different things but with a bit more of a people-centric approach 
um, than maybe in previous years. And in part, mm. that's response to, to the market responses and the response that the government's had in terms mm. of the furlough scheme. If that was something like that was available during the global financial crash, I think it would have evidently saved a lot of jobs. But there's the argument of is it kicking the can further down the road? Mm. Um, but there's definitely been a massive uptake, not necessarily by law firms, but by the rest of the market. I think it's something that I've spoken to law firm partners about in terms of the the views of the legal press to uh, to shame law firms for using the furlough scheme is quite interesting, given that they do mm. make mass profits. Everybody knows city lawyers earn very, very well. But at the end of the day, the furlough scheme that is there designed to save jobs. And um, as a result of everybody working from home jobs, such as a receptionist or, or something like that, simply aren't needed anymore because there is no office to run. And it's better to put those people on furlough and use that government scheme. A lot of firms are, are putting people on furlough, but not using the government scheme and paying it out of their own pocket um, mm. to not be kind of shamed by the legal press. But I guess that's a, a debate for another day on whether law firms should be using measures that are available, but maybe not 100% intended for them. Mm. I think you've raised a really important point there when it came to just the furlough scheme is that I think just this whole economic situation we find ourselves in is um, almost incomparable, I think, to a lot of other situations we find ourselves in. I mean, it, you know, it's it's a bit different from a kind of full-blown recession in that the, the economy has essentially been put on pause. And, um, you know, we don't necessarily know what this, this easing of lockdown is going to look like weeks, months, um, hopefully not years from now. Um, and and this kind of the fact that this response has been taken, I think, with this with this scheme is, is obviously going to have done a lot of good in terms of protecting um, jobs. And I guess we've talked a lot about kind of the, the, the market side of things in terms of how law firms themselves are responding but um i also wanted to talk about just i guess the legal profession and the legal industry really and what it means more broadly for for clients for people wanting access to the law and so on i mean people talk a lot about a new normal when it comes to um you know this this pandemic hopefully being over um in the short term but um you know i think as this this transition has happened this lockdown we've seen some really interesting developments in the legal space online courts obviously being um a huge yeah. part of that with um you know a lot of of kind of debates going on between academics as to whether this is going to be a turning point um, you know courts having to move online for the case of really important cases I mean um, what do you think this means that you know the whole coronavirus situation for the industry more generally um, perhaps using online courts as a, as a starting example yeah definitely I think it, it's the the phrase a new normal is quite an, an interesting one to to unpack I think we get told it's a new normal every day at the moment and things are mm. changing on a daily basis my view is that whilst we are in a new normal and it, it is a positive in that one silver lining that could come out of this crisis is mass mod modernization of not only the legal sector but also other sectors that that are particularly kind of antiquated and, and lacking behind in others but mm. i think it will take a concerted effort to make sure we don't go back to the old normal Mm. Once once business resumes in that once we're allowed back to the office, I think let's hold on to the positives that have come out of COVID-19 and, mm. and make sure they are implemented in kind of long term strategy as well. I think the online courts one is is a good one in that in 2016, the uh, the UK government actually let out or made in made in a statement that they intended that. Um, most civil disputes in England and Wales would be resolved through an online court by 2020. Mm. Um, so it was four years ago, they have invested over a billion pounds into it and nothing had really happened until mm. what kind of eight, 10 weeks ago when it all kicked off. And this has been 
almost a bit of a trial period for um, for the court system, which is quite interesting in that they've been thinking about it for four years and supposedly two more years until online courts were going to be the norm in civil cases. And now it's been become the requirement. Um, and I think it's quite interesting to see how seamlessly it's worked mm. um, in the, the court system isn't particularly modern, even in regards to the legal sector. I think you can trace back our modern court system 300 years and it's it's not really changed all that much. Um, I was reading an article a few days ago that said you could you could move it back to Georgian Britain and most people would still understand today's court system, even if they've just come out of Georgian Britain, which simply isn't sustainable in the way that you look at how society's developed in the last 300 years to where mm. we are now, that um, the online court system is working at the end of the day. And I think there was hesitancy by some judges that to uh, to take part in these sorts of cases and I think there still is I think we can call it a bit of a success but at the end of the day there are people and there are people high up in the English and Welsh court systems who are still against virtual courts um, virtual courts and online courts and that's mm-hmm. why we're still only seeing that only the most pushing cases and the most needed cases um, to be resolved are the ones that are going through the the online system at the moment but it's a great opportunity it's almost put a little bit of a pause where we can mm. take a step back and see how see how everything's going and seeing can we actually do anything differently, but let's make sure we don't go back to the old normal when we go back mm. to the office and resume kind of real life, if you could call it that, I, I suppose. Mm. Um, but if we make a con- if the sector in general makes a concerted e- effort, um, it could be quite an interesting future. And I think the the next thing that you kind of go into is the remote working piece in that mm-hmm. everybody's remote working remotely it's seen a move to certain firms are saying you don't have to be online during between the hours of nine and six you can be online when you need to as long as you get your work done by the deadlines um mm-hmm. and that openness of flexibility is something the law firm has been really bad at it's had and does to an extent still have a facetime culture whereby mm-hmm. you're expected to be in the office between hours x and y um showing your face even if you can do that work from home and this is proving that you can i I don't know if you saw last week that slater and gordon were the first firm to announce they've actually they will be closing their london office permanently i mean albeit they do Mm. have other offices in the uk and Mm. and to an extent it is probably to do with a real cost in that do lawyers need to be in a centralized office five days a week in order to do their work It's absolutely a fascinating time to kind of be, I guess, spectating because I feel like we don't have much control over everything that's going on. We're just sort of watching all of these changes happen in front of us. And I think, um, you know, one of the kind of core things I think you've mentioned in your answers is the idea that a lot of this uh, innovation, a lot of these changes have been coming about as a result of necessity with everything that's going on in terms of lockdown. And as you say, it'll be really interesting to see that once that necessity is removed and that kind of burden eased and in kind of having to work from home and having to abide by all these different lockdown regulations and measures, um, what's going to remain and what's going to be left over in terms of the, the kind of developments that we've made um, and where we go from there. This episode of the More From Law podcast is sponsored by Get Into Law. If you're listening, it's like you're looking to break into or learn more about the legal profession. Get Into Law are a law careers advice community that's on a mission to build the most active, value-driven legal platform in the world through social media. They help support aspiring lawyers by providing skills, tools, and resources you need to begin your legal career. If you want access to their latest daily tips, guides, and resources, including some I've written myself, 
Be sure to follow them on Instagram and LinkedIn by searching for the handle Get Into Law. And I guess we've talked a lot this episode about the kind of general legal markets and we've talked a little bit about firms and the profession more generally. Um, but I also wanted to talk a little bit about, I guess, individual lawyers. And um, I think everyone has their own opinions on whether they've enjoyed working from home. Certainly lawyers I've spoken to, some are looking to make it uh, an almost near permanent or long-term yeah. basis of how they want to keep working. Others can't wait to get back in the office and quite a few are somewhere in between. Um, but I guess just your thoughts for people who are listening who are either aspiring to be in the profession or currently practicing. Um how do you think they can best kind of utilize um, lockdown and try to sort of um, either upskill or just try to make the most of um, this unique opportunity? I guess you could phrase it that yeah. um, you know, the fact that everyone's working from home is kind of presented. Yeah, I think um, one thing, you, key thing you said there in terms of prospective lawyers is don't waste the opportunity you have at the moment. Um, hmm. Obviously, vacation schemes are being cancelled or, or put virtually, but I think it's something that you're very, very eloquent about i've talked eloquently about a lot is don't let it go to waste and use the opportunities to upskill yourself never mm-hmm. has there been so many webinars on so many different topics i think 2020 might as well yes it could be the year of coronavirus but i think it could also be called the year of the webinar <laughs> i think I, I've, right. I've maybe sat on one before in my life and now i'm sitting on one webinar a week if not more um and i think it's something that will continue i think it, it breaks down the the geographical requirement of needing to be in the room Mm-hmm. to uh, to attend a, a seminar i guess it's what it was before but use the opportunity to upskill yourself um i think going back to kind of the the uncertainty is that if you are set on a career in law there is still there are still pockets of activity there i don't think don't be tied up in all the kind of doom and gloom that there's nothing there there's mass redundancies so far to date in the legal sector there haven't been mass redundancies Due to COVID-19, I think there have been certain cases where some some smaller firms and some other firms have kind of started redundancy proceedings. But mm. the legal sector is resilient. The legal sector will still be there. There will always be a need for lawyers to be advising clients. Um, and this pandemic hasn't changed that. So I think mm. upskill yourself. Uh, use the opportunity to jump on webinars, to to network. I think it's actually almost easier to network now than it was pre-pandemic pre-pandemic you need to be kind of signed up to a certain networking event and then go there and they're in the evenings and sometimes people don't want to give up their evenings to go and you have to be on point Mm. whereas now everybody's sitting on linkedin at the end Mm. of the day that you can reach out if you're a prospective lawyer you can reach out to someone in practice um i guarantee they're looking at their linkedin more than they would be normally um Mm partially because maybe they're not as busy secondly because they're working from home and it's nice to have some social interaction and and that's what LinkedIn can give you Mm. um but use the opportunity I think one of my mentors uh always goes on about saying at the moment saying never let a good crisis go to waste Mm -hmm. um which is a little bit tongue-in-cheek but to an extent it's true that there is so much opportunity out there right now and people I feel there's a there's quite a feel-good culture within the legal sector at the moment that everybody's happy to help each other out Mm. um be it if you're a prospective lawyer be it if you're in practice and you're looking to make a move or just seeking some advice people are generally very very helpful and generally very very receptive to being asked for help 
Absolutely, I, I agree a hundred percent, and it's something I think I've seen reflected um, at least in my own network. I think um, you know it's not just within law and within LinkedIn, but I think generally this whole kind of idea of coming together and helping each other has really kind of been boosted and promoted as a result of coronavirus. And um, yeah, absolutely, I think you're right. People are, are kind of more than willing now to, to hopefully help others and to, and to give an insight as well. Um, and then finally, kind of speaking on on coronavirus and at least the economic impact of it all, setting aside the uh, the sort of health factors as well. There's a lot of comparisons that I've seen drawn to the 2008 financial crisis um, in articles I've read and kind of um, ideas as to how law firms took responses then they might take now and um, you know where are there any lessons we can learn from from that sort of economic impact versus this one but um, I just wanted to kind of hear your thoughts as to how you think we can make comparisons between coronavirus and 2008 at least from an economic perspective and, and how law firms may or may not respond. Yeah I think the I guess the important caveat is to say we can now look back at 2008 with hindsight mm-hmm. um, on everything that did happen and, and how it panned out in the end whereas we're still kind of very much in the midst of the crisis at the moment and it won't be something that's resolved overnight I think even when we go back to to the office there will still be the economic impact of COVID-19 will be felt for a long time to come just as mm-hmm. um, the global financial crash was felt for a very uh, their, their impacts was felt for a very very long time afterwards um i think the the interesting thing is is partially due to the policies that are available i think the uk government um and governments around the world have been a bit more receptive to to supporting i think they've also learned from 2008 in terms of propping up the banks may have not been the best thing to do and a lot of what's going on now passed mm. has been passed on more to either the consumer or the employee or individual businesses themselves in terms of, as we spoke about the furlough scheme, um, mm-hmm. they've also made implementation in, or looking to implement changes to insolvency law. I think it's sat with the, the House of Lords at the moment, the Corporate Insolvency and Governance Bill, which has kind of got three proposed changes or proposed um, aids to making sure um, companies do survive and, and there will be an economic recovery to coronavirus, the first being a moratorium. Um, whereby companies that are owed or creditors that are owed money cannot, um, or companies, sorry, debtors can have the opportunity to uh, to ask creditors for 20 days to seek new investment or restructure um, mm-hmm. to remain solvent. The second would be a temporary restriction on winding up petitions. Therefore, creditors can't issue proceedings to wind up companies um, that are insolvent at the moment. And the third is kind of the suspension of wrongful trading and directors' duties to report wrongful trading. And the pre-context behind that is that if a company was solvent and profitable pre-COVID-19, there is the hope that post-COVID-19, it will also be solvent and profitable. And therefore, there's no point in putting companies into administration and winding companies up when the only reason they're in economic distress is to do with COVID-19 and, and they have every hope of surviving it. And then the other, mm-hmm. the financial aid that goes directly to the companies themselves that so far seems to be kind of holding back the floodgates in terms of insolvency and restructuring mandates. Um, I guess it's going to run the test of time really of how long can that continue um, that's not beat around the bush. It's costing the UK government an extortionate amount of money in order mm-hmm. to keep the furlough scheme and the financial aid scheme kind of 
going and that money's got to come from somewhere. But everyone does, as, as you touched on earlier, everyone talks about a bounce back um, in terms of from COVID-19 and talk about U-shaped recoveries and V-shaped recoveries. I think there is still positivity that the response from this will be more V-shaped and there will be um, a, a opening of the market, so to speak, that mm-hmm. the companies and, and economic activity will bounce back pretty quickly compared to kind of a U-shape of 2008 um, that took did take a long time and we were still recovering from as of a few years ago. The, I guess that's the positivity of we need that V-shape recovery to to really bounce back and get back to where we were and to to respond and prop up financial aid and schemes that the government have put out put out i think mm. i guess to go back that was quite a, a long-winded answer i suppose but to go back to responses <laughs> of the law firms um during 2008 there were redundancies at the end of the day there was a kind of across the board reducing of headcount um, delayed promotions and one thing that did come out of it that maybe is positive um, maybe is a negative is an increased number of mergers between law firms um, mm-hmm. kind of the likes of Hogan Lovells, Dentons in, in whatever form it was at that point um, and DAC Beechcroft were all created out of the global financial crash and a need for um, the ability to kind of cross sell and produce economies of scale by creating bigger law firms um, there haven't been any any talks about mergers as of yet, as far as I'm aware, in light of COVID-19. But I guess that's something that will be kind of borne out in the years to come. But it mm. seems to be more of a, a people-centric approach this time round in terms of let's keep people and let's keep our people and keep our people safe. Um, mm. And in the view of kind of they will, part some firms have been foregoing partner um, drawings or asking for cash injections from the partnership to uh to kind of keep everyone in a job for now with the hope that there will be a bounce back and and there will be economic activity on the other side absolutely and i think it's 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 really kind of interesting to think about what that bounce back is going to look like i mean it's so much of it is driven not just by economic factors now but you know health concerns you know yeah. how willing a consumer is going to be to walk down their high street and start shopping straight away um you know obviously social distancing is going to be almost a necessity for um the considerable future i guess just kind of one last question how do, do you think law firms will be impacted at all in any way by the fact that um consumers may be less hesitant to commute to commute to big cities or to actually visit offices or anything like that is there a necessity for firms to maintain the level of kind of video flexible working and everything that they're doing right now or do you think that will kind of fade a bit to the background um i have a feeling that the flexible working model will stay i think um mm-hmm. employees are a lot more conscious of the fact that they really enjoy being able to work from home and having that that possibility i think most city lawyers if they have young kids don't have the opportunity to kind of have breakfast with their kids have lunch with their kids and then have dinner with their kids as well whereas right now Mm. they do um and there will be some people have really enjoyed that aspect of of working from home and being able to spend time with their families um and if there was a move back to normal city law proceedings that would just kind of be taken away from them i think an interesting way that will be borne out if law firms do kind of go back to the more traditional, we want you in the office five days a week, is mm. the rise of dispersed firms. So there's the likes of um, kind of Keystone Law, for example, where uh, lawyers work on more of a self-employed model. They retain more of the fees earned. 
and they can work from wherever in the world they want to. And mm. it'll be interesting to see whether there'll be a movement more towards that. I think there is it with the legal sector in general, as it's seen as a bit more of a modern offering, flexible offering and able to offer a bit of a work life balance that, let's be honest, the law, um, the legal sector isn't renowned for providing. Um, mm -hmm. And if law firms don't kind of wise up and keep offering that remote and flexible model, those are the types of firms that will benefit from it. Um, I guess another thing is the the need to be in massive financial hubs is kind of being evidently removed, something that happened a bit out of 2008, more out of kind of needs of efficiency and keeping real estate costs low. But regional hubs like Bristol, Birmingham, Manchester, Leeds, all benefited in their terms of the growth of their legal sectors in light of that. And I think it could be could be another continuation from coronavirus as well that people are don't need to be in London and firms don't need to be in London. So why pay the ridiculous rental costs, both of offices and of residential property, if they can do it from their hometown, wherever that may be? Absolutely. And let's not forget that we've got Brexit on the horizon as well to work through and the impact that will probably have on the yeah, original think, hubs as well. But... I think coronavirus was uh, initially quite a nice distraction from Brexit. And now do we need a <laughs> do we need a distraction from coronavirus? And I don't know, is Brexit that distraction that we need? It just seems to be going from uh, from one thing to the next. And yeah, I think yeah. Brexit will have massive implications on the results of coronavirus and how we come out of it on the other side. And it will really be a stress test mm. of them as well. And certainly a fascinating time to be in the profession. And um, I yeah. think we've kind of really nicely kind of thought about the different kind of stakeholders that are at play um, within the profession quite broadly from individual lawyers right through to firms and the industry more generally. So thanks for that, Adam. Um, it was really insightful to speak with you. Where can people go to, to learn more about what we've talked about today and um, to, to read more of your content? Sure. Thanks for um, thanks for having me on, Harry. Um, you can reach me on, on LinkedIn or if you go on to um, Kasoon Car's website and go on my profile, is just www.kasooncar which is k-i-s-s-o-o-n-c-a-r-r.com forward slash adam north um you'll be able to find every every method of getting in touch with me there happy to have a conversation with anyone about this um or evidently about uh, your careers be it if you're a prospective lawyer or if you're currently in practice kind of considering your options um, and considering where you want to take your career in a bit of a long-term sense, always happy to have a confidential and no obligation chat. Fantastic. Well, thanks again for coming on for a chat with me today, Adam. It was really great to speak with you and a um, really important topic that we discussed. So thanks. Cheers. Thanks very much, Harry. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the More From Law podcast. The amount of support the show has received recently has been unbelievable. So thanks again for playing your part in that by listening. If you'd like to support the show, please rate it five stars on the iTunes store and follow the show on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps the show reach more listeners. If you're looking for more tips, resources, and guides, you can visit my website, www.harryclarklaw.com, where you can also sign up to my newsletter and stay up to date with everything that I'm up to. For now, though, I'll see you in the next episode of More From Law.